Hey, this is Pastor Sam, and thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Today we are, we are going to continue our series that we're calling Jesus for President. And um, this is the last week, the last installment of our discussions. And so it has been super, super awesome. This is our fourth week, and so if you have missed any of the last three weeks, I would really encourage you to check out our podcast at centralchurch.cc slash podcast, and you can uh, get caught up there and kind of fill in some of the blanks of what we're talking about this morning. Now, at the onset of this series, I told you that a lot of this stuff comes from inspiration from a book that we read um, by Shane Claiborne called Jesus for President, and the first time that we did this series was in 2012. Um, we... Uh, It was a crazy political season in 2012, and it was kind of an afterthought for us. Things were so crazy and wild leading up to the election that the post four weeks after the election, we kind of covered this stuff. And so after we did this series, we were like, man, next time we need to do this on the forefront to catch people before Super Tuesday while they're in the midst of all this craziness. So last time we did this in 2012, though, this is interesting. I became pastor here um, in February of 2011. And so I had from February 2011 to November 2012, uh, we had grown the church from approximately 12, 13 people to about 70 people, right? 60, 70 people. And that, that was huge growth for us. We were like, man, this is great. This is incredible. This is awesome. And so over a four-week period of Jesus for president content, we shrunk our church from 70 or 80 people down to about 40. And we were like, what have we done? right? We walked away from the thing going, oh my goodness. But the thing is, what's crazy is it's practically the same content that we've shared this series. We just shared it four years ago. And since we've been doing it this time in 2016, leading up to the presidential election and all of that, we've seen light bulbs going off in people's heads. We've gotten tons of emails and Facebook messages coming in saying, guys, this stuff is so good. This is so great. This is just changing the way I'm thinking, revolutionizing the way I'm approaching the whole political season. And so it's kind of an interesting contrast to see the life of our church and where we've come over the past four years. This series four years ago was kind of us putting our flag in the ground, drawing a line in the sand, saying, listen, this is the gospel, right? This is the message of Jesus, and this is what we're following, that Jesus is bigger than anything else, and he is the only one that gets our allegiance, right? And so we were talking through all of that, and it was kind of crazy going through this, seeing the difference in this, in this time, because the house church discussions that we've had, at least at my house church, this past uh, Wednesday night, we, we covered kind of a recap of all three weeks, and the discussions were just fire, man. They were awesome. We were, it, it was intense. There were some, you could tell there were some differing opinions on things, but it was all done in grace and mercy and love. And it has just been an incredible conversation in the life of our church. And so I'm super excited. Now, if you've missed any of it, I'm going to give you a real quick, like Micro Machines commercial recap of the last three weeks. Okay. So week one, we started this thing off with this concept before kings and governments, right? We looked at the idea of God's intentions for humanity. It was never to be in this empirical mindset in this empirical um, sort of lane of doing life, right? The Israelites came to God and they were like, God, everybody else has kings and, and, and things like that. We want a king. We want a king. And God spoke to Samuel. Do we remember this? And Samuel was like, listen, man, uh, God, this is not the best way, but God said he'll do it anyway. But no, it's going to come with suffering and corruption and sin and all these terrible things that come with the empire approach. And it was like, oh man. And there was this tension there. 
And our takeaway from that is we looked at it and we said, okay, we can easily point fingers at the people of God, at the Hebrews, at the Israelites, for, because God is pursuing them hardcore. And he's saying, this is, I want relationship with you. I don't want you to have what everyone else has. I want us to be special, set apart. You're a peculiar people, set apart for me. Let's do this thing. And we can say, how stupid are they? God's pursuing them hardcore and all they want is the empire. But then we were left with the challenging question of, don't we do the exact same thing? Right? And we said it's simple for God to take us out of the empire, but it's much more difficult to get the empire out of us. And then in week two, we looked at Jesus. And we said God's, you know, his sense of humor, the Israelites are like, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. And so he sends him Jesus coming in on a donkey. Right? And we said that he comes and it's upside down and backwards and completely different than anything that they could have hoped or dreamed or expected. And so Jesus comes in and he's using the same language, the same political jargon, all this stuff, but to give it completely new meaning and to flip it upside down on its head and it means something totally different. And we said that Jesus didn't come wearing a God hearts Rome t-shirt and saying we need reformation in Rome. We need to get prayer back in the schools of Rome. Jesus showed up and said, no, 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 no. You don't, it's completely different. It's completely set apart. It's upside down and backwards from anything that you could even have imagined my call for you. And we said the banner of the empire, the banner of Rome is success and conquer and freedom and security. And we said the banner of the kingdom of God is what? Love, love, love. And Jesus shows up waving a banner of love that's completely, completely countercultural and completely upside down and backwards from the typical empirical approach. And then last week, Chris spoke and he shared about the Beatitudes Right, And he starts talking about the Beatitudes and he says, listen, if we're talking about the kingdom of God that's, that's, that supersedes this empire, he says, if there's a constitution for this kingdom, it would be the Beatitudes. You know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, the humble, they shall inherit the earth, all this stuff, right? And so Jesus comes and bringing that. And then Chris jumped over to Mark chapter 12 and he shared where they tried to trap Jesus and trick Jesus and said, you know, threw him this coin and said, you know, what about taxes? What about all this? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Because he looks at the image on the coin and he says, the image of Caesar is on this coin. Give it to Caesar. But then Chris said, I can just imagine it. I love it. It put me right there. That Jesus points at them and says, but give to God what is God's because the image of God is upon each and every one of us. And so God is so much bigger than what we can give to Caesar, right? And so we, we kind of left off there. So today what we're planning to do is kind of land the plane, bring all this together, wrap it up, make sort of a cohesive takeaway from this of what is the point? What is the picture? What is the idea of this Jesus for president? And then ultimately I want us to pray. At the end of this, there's gonna be a call to prayer because that's what we need. We need prayer. We need prayer for ourselves, we need prayer for Tuesday. We need prayer for our country. We need prayer for our neighbors. We need prayer. We need to communicate with God. So we're going to take some time and pray together. So let's pray together really quick, and then we'll jump into God's word. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for that powerful time of worship that we get to spend with our brothers and sisters in Christ just singing praise and adoration to you, led by incredibly talented people. God, I thank you for the time of worship that we get to spend together. I thank you for your word that you sent to us, the truth that we can apply to our lives. God, I pray that you'd remove me from the equation, but use me as an effective mouthpiece. God, I pray that we would check our baggage at the door. And I pray that you'd soften our hearts and you'd open our minds and make us receptive to what you have for us today. And I pray that we'd leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Awesome. So there's this guy in the Bible named Paul. And Paul was a church planner. Paul was an apostle. Paul was like a church father, right? And so Paul plants all these churches, and then he writes some letters of, hey, here's how you are cool with God. 
Here's how you conduct yourselves to be part of the church. This is the way the church should act. This is the way it should go down. And so Paul writes a letter to that. That's what like all the ones in the New Testament, he's responsible for writing most of the New Testament. The ones that end in the IANS, the, the Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Romans, although the Ians, Paul's responsible for a lot of those, okay? And so Paul is writing this book to the Romans, but here's the deal, it's something interesting. In all of these epistles, they're called letters to these churches. He says, to the church in Corinth, to the church here, to the church there. In Romans, he doesn't say that. He says, to the believers in Rome, which is different. So it's not written to a particular church. It's written to all the believers in Rome. And this is interesting because Rome is sort of the belly of the empire, right? Rome is sort of the epicenter of the Roman empire. This is like where the, 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 the epicenter of culture, of creativity, of paying taxes, of all the cultural norms are birthed out of Rome at this point. And so Paul is writing to these people who are supposed to be Christ followers, who are supposed to be countercultural, who are supposed to be following a kingdom, not the empirical approach. All the stuff that we've talking about, Paul writes them and tries to give them instructions of, hey guys, listen, you're in the belly of the beast. Let me tell you how to do this thing, right? Let me tell you how to walk through this and guide these waters in the middle of everything. And so he starts off and, and goes through all this. And so I'm starting off in chapter 12. We're gonna look at chapter 12 and chapter 13 today. And so chapter 12, verses one and two says this. It says, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now those two verses right there, those two verses right there are so jam-packed that we could do a whole four-week series on just that. I mean, we could just do a four-week series on just the implications and what this looks like in your personal life, what this looks like in your family, what this looks like in relation to God, what this looks like in, uh, just across the spectrum, how this can be applied. This is so heavy and so huge, but this morning, what I kind of want to focus on from this is that he says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This goes a lot with what we talked about in week one, where we said we need to shift our perspective and shift our mindset from an empirical mindset to a kingdom mindset, right? It's almost as if Paul is saying here, listen, don't conform to the patterns of this world. You're in the belly of Rome. You're in the heart of this thing. If there's gonna be empire anywhere, it's in Rome, and you're right in the middle of it. And he says, don't conform to the ways of the empire, don't conform to the ways of Rome, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, step back and shift your perspective. Shift the way you think about things. Shift the way you approach things. Realize that you're a member of a kingdom that supersedes an empire. That's huge. For the believers in Rome who are seeing this stuff and digesting this stuff and combating this stuff every single day, Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Shift your perspective. And then fast forward a few verses to verse 9, verses 9 through 18, he starts talking about this love again. And you're going to find that the Bible talks a lot about love. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's surprising to some, but it's wild. In verse 9 of chapter 12, Paul says this. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 
Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So Paul comes in and he says, guys, this is how you do it. And if last week when we were talking about the Beatitudes, if that was sort of the constitution for this kingdom, and it was saying this is the way you need to live, if we're sticking with that same jargon, this right here in uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18, these would be the amendments. This would be like, yeah, this too. This is central. This is huge. This is important as well. He says, be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. These are the ways that you should conduct yourself. It's completely different than what the empire tells you. Completely countercultural to what everyone else is saying. He says, be joyful, be patient, be faithful. Share with those in need. Show hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be conceited. And verse 17 says, do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Not just in the eyes of people who think like you, dress like you, talk like you, believe like you, go to a church like you. Do what is right in the eyes of everybody. It says, live at peace with everyone. And so Romans chapter 12, Paul's sitting here instructing these people. He's saying, listen, be set apart, be different, be peculiar, be transformed, shift your perspective, right? And then he says, and let your banner be love. This is the way that you do it. This is how it's done. And so reading chapter 12, you think, Man, that sounds a lot of like what we were, have been talking about the last few weeks. That's, that's crazy. But then if you keep reading, you get to chapter 13, verse 1, and it could potentially throw you for a really big loop here. Because in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Paul says this. He says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no, no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Pfft. How does that make sense? At first appearance, you're like, man, these are pretty contrasting ideas here. He says, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Shift your perspective. It's not all about the empire. It's not all about the empire. It's not all about the empire. Live in love, be, be, you know, show hospitality, put others before yourselves, do all these things. Wave the banner of love. It's not about the empire. Verse 13, listen, so about that empire, make, you, make sure you submit to the empire. Like, well, Paul, whoa, what happened? Like, what, what's, what's going on here? He says, listen, submit. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. And so our response is, but God, it's never been this bad, right? Because four years ago we were saying, but it's never been this bad. And four years before that, but it's never been this bad. And in four years we'll say, it's never been this bad. God, are you sure this time? Are you, sh are you really sure? It's like every four years the world is coming to an end in America. It's crazy, you know? Are you, but it's, God, it's never been this bad. And God says, hey, listen. Uh, Paul says, listen, submit to the government. Submit to the empire. That's what, I'm, that's what you're called to do as a Christ follower. God, we're in, the, we're in the belly of Rome. Yeah, yeah, you're called to submit to the empire. And then he goes on in, verses, in verse seven. 
and eight, which I think is interesting, of chapter 13. He goes down, and, and I'm sure one of the major issues at the time was, do we have to pay taxes? Because they're talking all this kingdom jargon and all this stuff of saying, well, you're part of the kingdom, you're not part of the empire. Well, like, well, what about taxes? Because the empire's requiring us to pay taxes. And Paul says this, he says, give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And then in verse eight, let no debt remain outstanding. So he says, give to everyone what you owe them. Be totally legit. Submit for real. And then he says this, let, let no debt be outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. He brings it full circle back to love. It's like he bookends it. He starts off and he says, be transformed, shift your perspective. You're part of a kingdom. You're part of a kingdom above an empire. And he says, and this is how you do it. You serve others. You, you have hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You, you do all of these sorts of things, right? He says, but you do have to submit and you do have to pay your taxes and give honor where honor's due and respect where respect is due and pay, have no debts except the debt of love needs to be continuing. Meaning you never stop paying out love ever. You never stop giving out more love. That's the only debt that is continually being paid. Continually, forever. There is never a point where you're like, okay, I've satisfied the debt of love in my life. Never. He says that's the only one that continues to move forward. And so at first glance, it's like these two are in contrast, but when you really look at the big picture, Romans 12 is saying, don't conform, be transformed, shift your perspective, your banner is love. And then Romans 13 says, submit to the government, pay taxes, but continually love, right? And so it all kind of comes full picture. So we had this, we had this awesome conversation in house church this past Wednesday night, and it was just so great. And we were talking about, you know, we, we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about how you know, people now are, are, it's supposed to be like a God, people say it's a God-given right to vote. And people are like, well, I'm not voting. And isn't that kind of slapping that God-given right in the face? And so we talked about that a little bit. We talked about how at a, there was a time in our history where we were praying for the right to vote. And it was an answer to prayer that we even had that freedom to vote for certain people groups, right? And so it was God's answer to prayer. But now that we have that right, are we just like crapping on God's answer to prayer by saying we don't want to vote? And also, so we, we had some great, great, great conversations. And where we landed in the big picture of things, I think echoes the relationship of chapter 12 and 13 here in Romans. And this really brought clarity to our conversation when I was looking over it this week. You see, it goes back to what Chris was saying in Mark chapter 12, when, when he was saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Caesar is a thing. The empire is a thing. And you give to the empire what is the empire's. But give to God what is God's. God is everything. God is so much bigger than the thing. The thing, it exists inside of everything. But everything is God. Everything is the kingdom. There's a thing inside of everything, but it's a thing, not the thing. Does that make sense? The government is a thing. It's not the thing. The world doesn't hinge on who gets elected to be the president. The big picture, God's still in control of everything. Does that make sense? And so that's kind of where we landed on all of this. And so whenever we see this idea, this thing of renewing of your mind, don't conform to the thing, but be transformed to have a shifted perspective of everything and how the thing fits into everything. 
And so he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he says, but the thing you do have to submit to that because it's for a purpose, right? Humanity's not just unraveling out of control and doing whatever they want, whenever they want to, whoever they want. There is government and God has his hand in that and you do have to submit to that. But that's not the end all be all. That's not everything. That's a thing within everything. And so when he says submit and pay taxes and do all this stuff, but then he comes back and says, but continually love, love in all of it. Because the banner of the kingdom of everything is love. And so everything that we approach needs to be in love. And so when we approach this, this, this empire, this government, we need to submit in love. We need to pay our taxes in love. We need to vote in love. We need to talk about it on Facebook in love. We need to have yard signs in love, right? We need to have conversations over coffee in love because that's the transforming and renewing of our mind. It's taking on a perspective of the kingdom and applying that to everything in our lives. Everything that we do, everything that we say, every way that we are involved. Because here's, here's the reality. Here's, here's the truth in all of this. Donald Trump is made in the image of God. Jesus died on the cross for Donald Trump. Jesus loves Donald Trump just as much as he loves me and just as much as he loves you. Hillary Clinton is made in the image of God. And Jesus died on the cross for Hillary Clinton. And Jesus loves Hillary Clinton just as much as he loves me and just as much as he loves you. And the 50 other third party write-in people that I don't know that are all over Facebook. <laughs> Same applies to them. But we need to realize that. We need to wrap our heads around that. That the kingdom is everything. And this is just a thing within the everything. And that God's love supersedes all of it. God's love supersedes all of it. And so for some of us, that's a hard pill to swallow. For some of you, you're going to go on the podcast and you're going to edit out that little one minute clip where I just said, God loves Donald Trump. And then you're going to use that as bait to say, see, my pastor supports me. <laughs> and some of you are going to edit it and take out that little part that says, God loves Hillary Clinton. See, see, my pastor's a liberal. Ah! <laughs> you're going to do that. And that's okay. I'll deny it. You know, it's cool. But the reality is, listen, it doesn't matter who wins on Tuesday because God is still in control of everything. God is still in control of everything. And like we've said this entire time, we vote every once in a while, but we change the world every single day. And it's about shifting our perspective, being transformed by the renewing of our mind and having a perspective that's kingdom mentality, kingdom focused that's above and beyond anything else that vies for our allegiance. Nationalism takes second place to our citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. And we need to realize that, we need to embrace that, we need to allow that to guide us, that our banner is love in all, in everything that we do. And so this morning what I wanna do as the band prepares to come forward is I wanna pray about three things. I want us to focus on, think about, and pray on three things this morning. The first thing, is that I want us to pray to be transformed. I want us to pray that God would transform us through the renewing of our mind. 
that rather than just in word, but in action and in life and in deed and in everything, we are a Christ follower before we are a Democrat. We are a Christ follower before we are a Republican. We are a Christ follower before we are even an American. We are a Christ follower first and foremost. That we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That that would be our perspective. That that would be our approach to this world, that that would be our approach to our job, that would be our approach to our family, that would be our approach to the election season, it would be our approach to everything. It'll dictate how, how, how we respond, how we're proactive, how we're reactive, everything will be dictated by the transformation that takes place by the renewing of our mind to have a perspective that is a kingdom perspective. I, wanna, I want us to pray for that this morning, individually. If you need that in your heart and in your life, maybe you said it and you're like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, Jesus first, but really, if you know deep down that that needs to happen in you and that you need that transformation, then I want you to pray for that this morning. I want you to do business with God. The second thing that I want us to do is I want us to pray God would enable us to live and think and respond bigger. To have this kingdom mentality and approach and realize that this is a thing inside of everything and that we would take on an everything mentality and it would permeate every area of our life. And then the third thing that I want us to pray about in Romans chapter 13, verse 14, which is a little bit further down the passage, Paul tells the people to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that is such a beautiful imagery. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the banner that you wave be love, 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 love in all things, in everything because that's the banner of the kingdom of God. And so I think we need to pray that we would clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ in everything that we do. It all comes together to be transformed, but a very visual, tangible imagery of that is to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. On Facebook, clothe, the Lord Jesus, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ in the memes you share on Instagram. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ on your conversations. Clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ on Tuesday and every day after that. Let's pray that God would do some work in our hearts and that that would take form and take shape in our lives. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for sending your son to this earth to establish a new kingdom to where our citizenship with you, first and foremost. And God, this morning, I pray that as we're having these internal conversations and these internal dialogues of where we stand, how we stand, where we're going to vote, how we're going to vote, all this stuff, and our relationship to government and God and everything, God, I pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that we would shift our perspective to a kingdom mentality above and beyond anything else that vies for our allegiance. God, I pray this morning that we would have the courage and the strength and the wisdom to put this into play in our everyday lives, that we would think bigger and that we would live bigger and we would respond with a bigger picture in mind. And God, I pray in all things that we would clothe ourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would clothe ourselves in love, breathe love. We would be love. We would respond in love. We would share love. We would receive love. We would reflect love. We would be love in this world as an agent for you. 
God, I pray this morning you'd send your Holy Spirit to do business with us as we take this opportunity to respond. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, challenged you, and that you experience true life change. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. Thank you.